This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I'm Mindariwal. And welcome to The Loop. If you're listening to this episode right away, when it launches on Friday, we have two whole days until Edmonton and surrounding communities go to the voting station, choose our next mayor. Min's excited. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's been fun, too, because we have been exploring this whole election for the last couple of weeks on the show. Yeah. Um, looking at what young Edmontonians are thinking about as we try to plan for the future of the city. And they are thinking. They're a yeah, lot of thoughts. I love it. They're smart. We've had some incredible totally panels. Yeah. And, and lots of really interesting takes on the issues that matter. We've hit on LRT. Right. We've hit on densification. Um, yeah. You know, we've talked to new homeowners. We've talked to people who are concerned they may never own a home. Yeah. <laughs> Which I am in that camp. We, I mean, we've talked about a lot of issues because there's so many things on the table, mm-hmm. I think, that are top of mind. Right? Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, we were coming out of a federal election and, you yeah. know, it, f- it felt like we were kind of in a just kind of, you know, we're stalled. Yeah. And then the momentum certainly started picking up. I know, I mean, I've noticed it, you know, with uh, different uh, videos that I've seen online or on social media from from uh, candidates, which yeah, is it's which really is ramped great. up. It tells me they, they had a strategy, right? So it's Definitely. good to see. And uh, it sounds like, you know, there's a lot of hot, close uh, races and it's heating up. Yeah. And it's been great to partner with Edmonton's Next Gen for this yeah. series because this election is big. I mean, we're looking at things like <laughs> Edmonton's only had one female mayor and we've never had a black woman counselor or for yeah. that matter, any indigenous woman or any woman of color mm-hmm. on council. So this election could finally change a lot of things, including that, yeah. you know, we've got more diverse candidates running this year than ever before. We could even elect Edmonton's first mayor of color. Imagine um, that. Min, I, I want you to go upon your history. Go back. Go back in the day. In the time machine. You grew up in Edmonton. Yeah. Um, how important was representation to you growing up and what did that even look like in the city? You know what? I I think the conversations around representation uh, happened, Mm. but not so much in a public form. Yeah. Uh, Maybe, you know, uh, amongst friends um, or at home around, you know, the dinner table. Uh, But now I think those talks of representation are front and center. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's not just representation for the sake of it. I mean, you know, you want credible candidates who bring something to the table that will make a difference. But back then, I mean, what did it look like? Uh, It really was non-existent, you know, like, I mean, I was, I was a teenager when Jan Reimer was, was a mayor and I don't think it really hit us until after she was gone. Really? You know know what I mean? As a, as a kid, right. That we've got, this is our first female mayor uh, Mm -hmm. in Edmonton, but um, yeah, police chiefs were white. Politicians for the most part were white. I mean, the representation for me when I was a kid didn't really exist. And, you know, I don't want to say it was a pipe dream, but it, it was, Certainly something that started to evolve, you know, uh, Raj Panu uh, was a, a, an MLA for a long time yeah. uh, of South Asian um, uh, descent. And, uh, you know, BC had a, a premier, Ujjal Dessange, who was East Indian. So, I mean, it slowly started to evolve. Right. But now I think we're on a different level now, yeah. you know, whether it be uh, South Asian or black or um, indigenous. I mean, we, we, we see a lot of it now. So I, I think it's great. Yeah, and, and hopefully it will it'll reflect in in what happens after Monday. Well, I mean, there's certainly potential for it, right? Like as yeah. you mentioned, there have been a lot of changes, and this could be another marker that has that will change the representation right. of the city. But it's interesting to see how we're demanding it, and we're saying that this is necessary now. When before maybe it was like. I mean, yeah, you said yeah. it wasn't exactly a pipe dream, but it was kind of, right? It, it, it certainly was. And I think we're at a point where it's a reflection of not just the people who 
who want it, but it, I mean, it's and it doesn't matter on what your background is, yeah. right? It it is something that uh, everybody wants, and yeah. uh, which is encouraging to see. Definitely. And so we wanted to dig back into our The Young Vote series one time before Edmontonians mark their ballots. Mm -hmm. And this time we're talking diversity, representation and social media. Super easy. Not a big, not a big topic at all. Not a big deal. Very simple. But joining us this week is Ivan Tuco, CEO of La Connectionale and Shane Scott, a public servant. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Good morning, fellas. Yes. Uh, let, let's start by f- talking about city council and, you know, whether or not uh, you feel it represents you, you know, represent what Edmonton uh, looks like right now. Maybe Shane, let's start with you. Yeah, sure. I think, you know, representation is a pretty broad concept. I think there's mm-hmm. different ways you can approach representation. Like, does it, does city council look like me and in, in many ways uh, as a white dude, it does. Um, <laughs> right. But also I, part of my, you know, lived experience as an LGBTQ 2S plus person, that, part of the, I should say part of the community, um, maybe not as represented uh, on council. Um, but I also think there's the kind of other side of it where like are the issues I care about being talked about and the ones that affect me as a citizen, is that represented? Right. Uh, and I think on the current council to, to some extent, I would say to a large extent it has been, and so I'm interested to see with the election how that carries through. Yeah, I mean, to build on that, I think I, I do not feel represented at all <laughs> in the mm-hmm. city council right now. Uh, and I think, yeah, that's mainly because of the demographic constitution of the city council right now. And as soon as it is, you know, representation is, um, is broad and has like different manifolds. So I think for me, being black and like first generation immigrant and all that, I don't necessarily feel represented in the pool that is there, right. but there has there has there's a few of the city council members that I've definitely aligned with in terms of the way they pronounce themselves on certain issues. So mm-hmm. I do so often feel like my voice or part of my voice is a part of my identity or the things that I care about is represented, but in a broader overall spectrum, not really. So just sticking with that, Ivan, I mean, what what do you feel is missing um, from council when when it comes to representation, whether it's identity or ideas or you know what what the councillors are bringing mm-hmm. kind of to the table? I mean, I think for the current one, definitely uh, diversity, diversity of thoughts, but also experiences. Uh, you know, uh, from my knowledge of the city council right now, well, the majority of the folks on there are white, white folks. Right. Uh, and I think like when it comes to diversity, we are not just saying just pick a person just for them to be on council, but they are very capable people, right. especially when I look at the race, uh, the current list that have uh, amazing ideas and that will come, that are coming with different lived experiences that are coming with uh, different trends of thoughts that could influence the way that we are thinking about policies or we have more voices or more voices being represented on city council. Yeah, I'm bringing. I mean, bringing some depth to the table, right? And and uh, some ideas. Mm-hmm. Shane, your yeah. your thoughts on, um, you know, what might be missing as far as representation? Yeah, I think Ivan made a, a good point about you know that the lived experience that people are able to bring to the table is really important. And I think you know other aspects of that also tie into things like socioeconomic background and you know are mm-hmm. are people representing kind of what we would call like the working class uh, right. of yeah. Edmonton or are they, you know, part of the same old crop of of people who are participating in politics and who've always been privy to participate in politics. And I, I think in this election, I, I, there, when you look across the board at the number of candidates, I think there is a uh, quite a few pretty vocal candidates who who do, I think, represent more kind of those, like, I won't say working class values, because I think that's been co-opted <laughs> a lot in elections, <laughs> right, right. but um, like who, who represent yeah. the average 
average citizen. Mm-hmm. Speaking of words like I co-opted, that's a great segue because I, I want to talk specifically about diversity and inclusion, right? Like we talk about those words and those concepts so much. They get thrown around all the time. But do you think that the fact that we're talking about it so much is a sign that we're actually getting closer to real representation and diversity and inclusion? Or like, are we, is it just the new buzzword, right? Like, is this just the latest hashtag? Shane, what do you, what do you think? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I go back and forth, and I, honestly, you can catch me. It depends on the day. I see how I wake up in the morning. And <laughs> yeah, feel about it because <laughs> yeah. Uh, sometimes I, I I feel kind of cynical and pessimistic that you know we are still talking about so many of the same issues when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And um, I think about it um, just like in my personal kind of work life, working in like a corporate type of environment, like mm-hmm. that is I think very much a buzzword. People are like, we are diverse and inclusive, and it's yeah. like you are neither, but. <laughs> there's that cynical part of me that thinks it is just kind of um become a label but i also think like when it comes to especially politics and elections there is a lot of value in continuing to talk about it because Mm -hmm. i think when we talk about it we're able to surface where the gaps are for for different people and in the context of the municipal election for edmontonians who are most marginalized in many cases Mm -hmm. and we start talking about you know the experiences of um like muslim women uh, and muslim people in general who like walk down the street yeah. Like that, yeah. although that can like become like a, a, a buzzword or like a buzz topic or whatever during an election, I think it's still really important that we're actually having that conversation and mm-hmm. it puts it kind of in the common discourse. So I think my more optimistic side <laughs> is like that we talk about it as a good thing in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. I think like uh, really to build onto that is, you know, like the other side of, again, of representation is that, uh, you know, talking sometimes is kind of like manifestation. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, Talking about things, uh, you know, can often lead, especially uh, when you think about the younger generation that are what, watching what is happening. It can lead those younger younger people to say, "Hey, I want to do politics later because I've had people, I've had people that look like me do it, and now I believe I can do it." Yeah. And so, you know, I think representation uh, takes a lot to implement. I think for me, definitely 100% of buzzwords, uh, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. Uh, but I think the fast, there are facets to it that. Because we're talking about it, you know, people that, you know, look like me that are, that are now being represented on the city council, 10 years, 5 years, 20 years later, they are going to want to do that because I finally saw someone that looked like them and that inspired them to take those steps. Yeah. So I think it takes a, lot, a, long, a long time to implement those things, but talking about it is really, really important because that's how we hopefully have this conversation and start manifesting those things. And hopefully the policies... And the structural policies that come with uh, with those, you know, all those conversations actually come true to make it easier. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, you look at uh, what it takes to be able to run a campaign, whether that's city council or mayor, you do need a lot of resources. And, you know, to have those resources, most people, most marginalized folks are not, uh, you know, it takes them generation to maybe be able to get there to be able to have those resources. So hopefully policies and like structural changes follows. But at the same time, talking about it helps the conversation move forward or helps move the needle a little bit, a uh, little by little. Yeah, definitely. Going back to that idea of that socioeconomic diversity that we never see, right? And trying to bring that forward and mm-hmm. diversity begets more diversity. Uh, to use that word one more time, how is diversity um, <laughs> going to factor into your vote this year, Ivan? Is, is that something that's top of mind for you? Oh, yes, absolutely. It's, and, you know, it's top of mind, but... Again, like I, when I'm voting and when I'm voting through that lens, I'm also, I also ensure that the person that I'm 
voting for is someone that I feel like has the, the capabilities to basically mm-hmm. uh, speak for me, but also has relevant, relevant experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when I look at the candidates this year, there are very, very many capable of candidates, whether they are women or even uh, that are part of uh, that are BIPOC folks. So it is definitely something that I consider because I think it's about time. Uh, not only about time for, again, younger people to be able to see that, hey, I can become a mayor or, hey, I can become a city councillor, mm. but also have people that are very competent into their skills to be able to show that this is how it's going to, this is all the things that I'm able to make. The thing that scares me with that, though, is that now when we are going through that lens, let's say someone gets elected that is part of uh that that doesn't look like the other mayors is this person going to get the collaboration of every single person on the on the council or like in their bureau to actually create change or are they going to get a lot of pushback depending on what kind of policies they're trying to get implemented and then you have the one BIPOC mayor or the one woman mayor not do a great job quote unquote because they had like a lot of a lot of word blocks and yeah. uh, a lot of, yeah. No, it's huge. And that is a big question, right? Because, I mean, Edmonton can elect whoever the heck we want. But there's Mm -hmm. a lot that's going to come after that that actually decides (laughs) what that looks like. I I mean, Shane, your vote this year, is diversity a factor that you're taking into account? Yeah, yeah. I think Ivan um, made a really good point. I think, you know, that there's the balance between, like, the lived experience that someone brings to the Mm -hmm. position as well as... um, what their like, what their policy positions are more broadly on, on whatever issue it might be for the election, and I think it is a balance of that. And I, I was thinking while he was talking too about how I think we've come so far, but still so far to go culturally around talking about diversity in politics, yeah. where like people are like, well, I, I think there's still a lot of people who, and I, I've seen it come up like online and stuff um, around where people are like, well, why does it matter if someone's like part of the queer community? Like it doesn't matter, you know, and and. It, it should be what they their vote or what their position is on something, not about what their uh, what their identity is. Yeah. Um, and I think like the trivialization of that. And I think there is a, a growing understanding that it like your identity shapes your lived experience, which shapes your your stance on thing issues like um, homelessness or mm-hmm. um, ending community violence or mm-hmm. supporting identification. Like it, it that's really important. And so. And for my own kind of voting, it is something I'm considering pretty closely uh, as at both races, like both in my uh, my specific ward and then also in the mayoral race. Um, you know, what striking that balance, like what are people bringing to the table? What are their, their platform positions? But also recognizing that like fundamentally they're going to have a unique perspective yeah. uh, if they do kind of represent a more diverse population just from their lived experience. Yeah, it's almost like in mm-hmm. an attempt to reject tokenism, people go so far to the other way that's like, it doesn't matter, nothing matters. Yeah. It doesn't, <laughs> but it's like, no, yeah. it's like everything can play into how a candidate connects and how they do their job. And I think the, the thing that's also important is that, again, even when we talk about diversity, someone that looks black or that looks south asian they are also there's diversity within that diversity and so you know the people that we we do get into power you hope that they're able to represent you but even within communities communities always disagree between each other so Mm. it's like that dialogue has to be consistent and just like finding the middle ground or like the middle space to be able to 
not speak for everyone because you can never really do that, even when you're part of the diversity. Yeah. Uh, but doing your best to like represent as many people as possible. Uh, speaking of representing uh, as many people as possible, I mean, there's certainly an, a, a lot of candidates. I mean, you, if you've seen the signs um, and heard some of the forums, uh, you know, getting the information out uh, comes at us in all sorts of ways. Social media obviously has changed the political game. I'm sure you guys are aware of that. And um, I'm wondering if those platforms are, you know, a part of your education or research before you head to the polls. I hate to use the word research, but... Uh, <laughs> that was like say, the most dad way to phrase that question. Yeah. Can we talk about it for, yeah. for a second? Like, you know, social media. Like, yeah. okay, I'm doing man. my own research, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You got to use air quotes. You have to use air quotes. That's mandatory. But um, yeah, how much of that is a part of your decision making? Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm a self-proclaimed Twitter hawk. Uh, <laughs> Twitter hawk. <laughs> I spend arguably far too much time on Twitter, but uh, I think for better or for worse, uh, arguably for better. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I think for me, like I, I look to social media and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and like all, sure. I'm on a lot of social media platforms, but yeah. I look to those, uh, I think like different platforms for different reasons, but it is somewhere I go to look for information. Like that's yeah. often if I'm, if I'm looking to find information on a candidate, I will often just kind of, click my way through Twitter until I end up on their website, for mm -hmm. instance, or read Twitter threads that they posted or interactions they've had online um, to kind of help me understand where they stand on different issues. Yeah. I would say, I would say mm -hmm. it's a fairly important tool for me. And they're certainly going to those platforms because a lot of people are using those platforms to find out what these candidates are all about. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think like uh, social media, I don't know where I heard this, but uh, the current state of the internet is social media. So social media is very important for yeah almost every candidate to tap into because that's where people are. Mm -hmm. uh, with the pandemic, obviously, I think a lot more people even got online. So how do you reach out to people if you earn using social media and have a website? Unfortunately, and I, I think this is something that I don't necessarily consider because I'm able to read through the platforms and kind of like decide for myself what I like or not. Right. But when you do go on like certain candidate social media, you're like, hmm. <laughs> If a Gen Z stumbles upon your social media, they're not even going to read anything because it's not aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. It doesn't look fun. It doesn't look like someone is going to spend any time on that. And unfortunately, that's a tool that they have to tap into if they want to reach out like to this kind of voter base. And so TikTok and like creating engaging things that can like bring them more eyes. So it's definitely a resource tool. I think I have started for. This year, with the candidates that I was interested in, I started with the websites. Mm. And some websites are also amazing. Other ones are not great. And it's yeah. like that, unfortunately, even if it's not, it's not the content of your platform, it will affect the way people vote for you. Because looking, looking a certain way or showing mm. up uh, a certain way does affect the way people uh, will even read your content or read your platforms. Because... Like, uh, I think subconsciously, something yeah. that looks good or looks better or looks like user-friendly, mm. people are more likely to vote for that or to go for that because they, they can see the competence yeah. into what you're doing right there. So it's a testament to, like, what you may be able to accomplish. But again, it's That's not a really point. a testament, though, <laughs> because yeah. you're going to have a full team of, like, social media and internet people yeah. reading your city of things. but. Yeah. It does affect the way you, I, I make research and I believe the way other people yeah. make research. You get judged, right? You'll, you'll get well, judged I on what it looks like, what it sounds like, what you sound like. Yeah, because the thing is, social media can be a huge turnoff. Yeah. Like, there's so many cringe moments. Right. Um, we've all seen them. I don't need to call some of them out, but I'm just saying, sometimes it's like watching your parent 
do a do a dance, right? Like it's just weird. So yeah. I want to know. I mean, I, Ivan, what are some things that could turn you off a candidate mm-hmm. now that online is so accessible and there's just so much out there? What are some things that turn you off from someone? Uh, it's hard to say this because I'm like, <laughs> it turns me off, but I, I still try to look past it. Yeah, I think people that don't people that don't use Canva, you know, today, mm-hmm. if you have a social media and you run in a campaign. Instead of posting like Instagram fonts that are all over the place, yeah. go on Canva, look for a template, make your whatever post look appealing so people can yeah. actually read it and understand it. But as soon as you post, you just posting things that are just crowding your space. Mm. It also makes you even look disorganized or like mm. it just affects the way people would point. interact with that. And it's so unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> that's the kind of generation, at least for I think for 30 years of younger maybe even older if you've done social media your whole life or mm. you've been an internet person you look at that you're like why couldn't you recruit volunteers to do this or why yeah. couldn't you look up canva so you ask yeah. yourself all these questions but i've looked past it i i do not use that yeah the aesthetics are <laughs> you can look well it's funny. so i, yeah. I want to clarify first for people that don't know canva is a free graphic design software which shane straight up was snapping at so clearly you, <laughs> is it the same for you shane like what turns you off someone's social yeah. media well, I, yeah, I was going to build on that because I think there, there, it's a, Canva is just one example of like there's opportunities to like. I think if you're if you're under the age of thirty, you hands down know what Canva is. And so sometimes I look at people's campaign pages and I'm like, did you did you not ask one young person to help? Like, is there not one young person who you tapped on to be like, hello? I'm just going to take like notes here secretly. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Min over there Canva, is just writing down Canva. Canva. It's C A N V A. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All in caps. Uh, yeah. Shane, continue. I think, I think it. Um. I think what, especially younger voters. I think we're we're so used to the. We receive content in very short clips. Like mm. I want to be able to swipe mm. through an Instagram deck and understand what you're saying or what yeah. you stand for, or I want to watch a, a 30 second TikTok about, you know, a key point and, and mm-hmm. get information in that really quick way. And so I find when, like you, like Ivan was saying, when, when people don't, aren't able to streamline and make something kind of that like nice to look at, easy to look at, easy to understand what I'm looking at kind of format, it's, it is a turn off when people are like, I'm not going to spend the time. Like why, if you, if this is what your like Instagram post looks like, why am I going to go to your website? What's the point? <laughs> How much worse uh, can it get? <laughs> Yeah. And so um, I think that it speaks to like, yeah, that the social media, and again, it's like a for better, for worse thing. But I think Mm -hmm. social media is so much more like instantaneous, quick, small, bite-sized pieces of information. Um, And I think that's like campaigning municipally, provincially, or federally in 2021 and moving into the future is figuring out how to take like lengthy conversations we want to have in the public forum and smush them into a Twitter thread or an Instagram slide deck or, you know, a, a a 45 second Facebook live. Cause after that you've lost me. Yeah. Or like, like a TikTok <laughs> meme, right? Like finding a way yeah. to yeah. translate these larger political concepts. Yeah. And I also think too, the, um, the other thing with social media I find is like, it really, I've been saying this a lot lately, but I think it's like the, the new version of like campaign signs in some ways yeah. where if people have a strong social media presence online, it's as if you're like driving down a road and you see like the same campaign sign over and over and right. over again. It's like, candidate a candidate a candidate a and you're like oh right i remember candidate a now because i've seen their sign a thousand times and it looked good i think that too with social media where i'm like oh i've seen like whatever candidate on twitter every single time i've opened twitter and now they're just like front of mind for that race for me because i just like know they exist yeah and i find that especially true because like i'm not necessarily paying super close attention to every race across the city 
Um, but I can tell you some key candidates that have <laughs> kind of shined and like taken a platform. What what do you want to see from candidates, uh, you know, as far as what they share with you and, um, you know, what information you see online? I mean, have you seen any examples of it already uh, where you, you kind of see some somebody post something and you're like, nah, I don't need to hear about that or it's just kind of clogging, clogging things up a little bit? Uh, I think for me, yeah, you have your platform, but people also, fortunately, unfortunately, social media, people want to know who you are. And so, yeah. like, know who you are as a person, uh, you know, like, what are your values? What do you stand for? Uh, maybe some of the work that you've done in the community. I think there's a very fine line between also always uh, posting certain pictures or showing that you're doing certain things. Yeah, just showing showing the actions that you're taking. And yeah. the thing is, is going to be, and I think that's the thing, I think the expectations for every candidate is going to be different because depending on the way you look, your gender, your identity, mm -hmm. the expectation of people of you on social media are going to be different. So if you post a certain kind of picture, people mm -hmm. can be like, oh, that was kind of cringe. You should yeah, have yeah. done that. That was kind of tokenism. Yeah. But if you look a certain way, you do the same thing, it's not going to have the same effect. So for every candidate is understanding how, how am I navigating this space where people can like over scrutinize you without even knowing the context behind the photo or what you posted because what you post on social media, that's what people see. Mm -hmm. And that's the information that they have at hand and they judge you on that. Uh, so I think I've definitely seen really good example of people like showing up like, okay, I'm actually doing work in the community and I'm doing this full dang stuff. But if you post that like five times, I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I already know you go to, you do work at the food bank. That's all good. Now what's next? You know, like yeah. just, it's, it's, but it's very, it's very subjective to the, I think the eye of the beholder. And like, yeah. again, the fine line of someone being able to separate, like, I know social media is literally only 1% of someone's life. And I'm able to like use that to discern they are posting this for engagement versus they are posting this for other things. So yeah, I'm like social media is a very weird space and yeah. gotta be careful or how much you judge people based on that. It's a personal space. Yeah. Well it becomes one for sure. Yeah. Shane, how about you? What have you have you seen examples of it or or you know are candidates sharing the right stuff? Yeah, I think in terms of like content that people share, um one thing I've noticed uh for people who are maybe trying to continue to be like really engaged. And um, this is sort of what I was mentioning. Like sometimes I think people put out stuff just for putting out content. And yeah. I think they're, well, like it seems kind of just like a, a shot in the dark, but like, what is this going to get traction? Is it not going to get traction? There, sure. I think there's supposed to be some kind of strategy behind it. And <laughs> yeah. I think of, I've seen a couple of candidates who just can repeatedly post like the same, just like mix up the words, phrasing of like a key platform pillar that they have. So it could be like, supporting the most vulnerable people in our city or something like that. I, I'm making that up. Yeah. But then they'll just kind of like slice and dice the same like header right. over and over and over again on posts. And that'll be like what they're in the post like body. Maybe they'll say like on Instagram, they'll be like, oh, you know, I support supporting marginalized people. Right, and the right, next right. Post, it's like marginalized people need our support. <laughs> and I, I find what that, what that ends up doing is like giving people like the flyby like Passover of what they actually think. And, yeah. and the more you do that, the more it appears like you're just using buzzwords. Right. Even though I know a lot of those candidates actually have like policy points in their platform that actually get into like how, what they want to do to address it. Mm -hmm. um, but again, in that social media world, you have to find the balance of like making it small enough and digestible. But that mm -hmm. doesn't mean that young people, particularly on social media, aren't like knowledgeable or don't yeah. issues. <laughs> yeah. And so I we find can that read. sometimes, yeah, between the lines, we can, I can read. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and so I, I think, just think that sometimes the the posts may almost miss like a level of 
I don't know, there's no like meat to the bones yeah. in sure. some ways. Yeah, they're yeah. trying to get a message across, but uh, instead it comes off a different way and kind of gives you maybe insight into that candidate. And um, yeah, and the other thing too I like to see is um, when people on social media are responsive to what's happening, sure, and uh, especially during the election, That's like a good point. when issues come up, because I think on social media, I'm as, again I'm a Twitter hawk, so I'm thinking of Twitter specifically, but yeah. uh, w- w- there ends up being like a kind of it creates its own like weather system where like as more people feed into it and start talking about it, weather it system. becomes strange when people aren't commenting on it, yeah, yeah. and so you start wondering um, I'm thinking like opinions regarding LRT yeah. for instance if you aren't kind of participating in that discourse or that dialogue you're not yeah. kind of making your position known um, you don't have to call anyone out necessarily but just of being like just have an hey. engagement though right yeah yeah, I just be like, I, I just so happened to tweet today that I support LRT. Then <laughs> um, I think that it's like contributing to the discourse overall and also shows voters that you're one, paying attention, you're being responsive to voters, and also that yeah. you're like, <laughs> then they can know where you stand. And not, not necessarily even from like a bandwagon perspective, like just because right. everyone's like roasting one person for their opinion doesn't mean you have to roast them. Yeah. yeah. But I think it's a good chance to be engaging uh, with what's happening online. I love these nature metaphors. Weather system, Weather Twitter system. hawk. I like that. I will never think of the internet. <laughs> Those are the good same hashtags. Way. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. So, so here, here we are, really, essentially a weekend before we vote on Monday. How do you guys feel about Monday? Are you prepared? Uh, are you decided? Or are you, do you, are you still going to use the next two days to sort some things out? Uh, I am decided. Uh, I've been decided for a while. I uh, I've, yeah, I've done my research, not for <laughs> social media, but uh, a lot of the candidates. Uh, there's also a lot of people that I, I look up to, and I've been looking at people. Would those people also endorse? To kind of in, not necessarily inform my decision, but uh, also be more confident in the choices that I'm making. So I did my own research. I decided, and then the few people that align with my values and that have done a lot of like work similar to the work that I do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I do look at like, okay, who are these, uh, who are the key candidates? People even having conversation between friends uh, in my different WhatsApp group chat, like, who are, like, why are you voting? Not necessarily why are you voting for this and that, but like, what are the candidates that like you think uh, can be a, a good thing for the city? And mm-hmm. there was, uh, it was a tie race between two people, but I've, I've decided who, uh, who I was voting for. Yeah, I would say I'm like 90% decided, I, I, depending on the race. Uh, I think at a mayoral level, I've, I feel pretty pretty confident in my decision. I'm, I've decided to give myself till the actual election day to, to make the decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I think looking at the ballot overall, there there's so many questions that are on this ballot. Uh, and yeah. so I'm still kind of working my way down the ballot to think about school board trustee and uh, the, the referendum questions as well. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I also have like, there's there's some people, I do also do research off of Twitter, I promise, but there are <laughs> kind of some people that I look to that are, have a bit more time on their hands than I do to yeah, do yeah. a bit more of like a critical analysis of like, platforms and policy positions. So I'll often look to them as well, just for like some kind of like, too long, didn't read TLDR. Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what, like, what is this? I can read the platform, but what is this in the context of like broader city goals and that sort of thing? So I also look to, to some folks online for that sort of stuff. But so I haven't decided yet. Still working through it. Uh, right. I'm also just tired. Yeah, so. <laughs> that, no, that's a feeling. Yeah. It's been a long campaign. Yeah, TLDR. Yeah. I'm writing that down. TLD- so. And I, I love, I love Shane points towards uh, like there are people. I literally have like two or three friends that are like obsessed with making like critical analysis of campaign. And I'm like, I don't understand English very well. So this is really good inside information for me. Cause like they really break it down. Yeah. And cause sometimes even those campaigns, you read them. And if you don't have a certain level of knowledge of understanding yeah. of 
with the way things work, you cannot even understand them. So English being some, somewhat of a value sometimes, is like looking up to people that are able to break down those things in like context and example is that's very important. Point. And that's something hopefully that more candidates do over time because when you think about like Edmonton or many cities in Calgary, you do have a lot of immigrants that yeah. they could read your platform but still not very much understand what you're yeah. saying. And so breaking down things so that a kid could understand it or like putting like things in context is very important. Like being able to have the resources online and friends that have time to do that, mm. it's uh, very valuable. Yeah, it's not just having mm. a good platform, it's making that platform accessible to voters for sure. I, I mean too, I, I want to th- look at this election from the point of it's a big decision, right? Like we're choosing a new mayor that could take us forward in a, a myriad of different ways. But what do you mm. feel that we need or that you want from this election? Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think the candidate that I'm voting for, I will be disappointed if they don't win. <laughs> Fair, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really think that <laughs> I really think that there will be uh, they, they will be a, a good chin and may perhaps one of the best person uh, the city could have. Uh, but again, I think you know, I, I will basically, I think like, I think for me, it's important that we either get a woman or we either get uh, a, a, a person of color to win this race. Because I believe that, you know, for so long, not only we haven't had that in, in this race, I've definitely seen uh, both of those intersectionality uh, being, having like very capable candidates. And I think it will be it be, be a good change because I think like uh, we underestimate how much lived experiences mm. uh, can actually uh, either push us really, really forward or draw us back. And I think, you know, those things are those things are important. So if we still if we have this like a similar person from a similar uh, class, you know, winning this race again, it's like, are we really getting a change or are we just getting like a little shift of opinions? And mm. I think for change to happen or, you know, for things to move, you do need to kind of like, not necessarily go to the extreme, but things have to change in a more, not necessarily drastic way, but there has to be a change that's like, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, just creates more conversation for shifts to happen within society, whether that's good or bad, you can never know what's going to happen. But I think for me, that's something that's important. One of my like big concerns, particularly at kind of the mayoral level, is the I think the leadership void that could happen uh, once Don Iveson's gone. I think like like I think love him or hate him, like Don Iveson has done a lot for the city over his number of terms, and uh, he's also like recognized nationally for the work he's been able to do in Edmonton. And I think in many ways, has put Edmonton on the map and Canada, which is really good. And, and yeah, I think Edmonton itself is just at such a like a precipice. Like we we can continue going in the forward motion uh, that we have been, I think. And, and I also say, I think in the, ca- the election campaign overall, there's been a lot of like, the sky is falling rhetoric. Like, I, I <laughs> yeah. think it's almost like pop- populism. Like, it's like, oh, you hate the city. Well, we hate the city. Let us lead you into change, which I don't really think is fair. Yeah. Apart from like COVID, which is like not, obviously for the last two years has like not been mm. very good for anyone literally in the world. Yeah. Uh, Edmonton's actually like in a much better place now than it was 10, 15 years ago. So um, I think it's really not fair to the people who are building the city, like the mm. people who live here who uh, are making it a good place to live. And so I think things like the the city plan and uh, the task force on community safety and well-being, like the report um, for safety reforms and stuff, there's a lot of really important things that can continue to shape the city to be a better place. Yeah. And I'm a little worried that some of the... Um, leaders that are um, stepping up are looking to kind of drive us back towards something like some, it's almost like a a Trumpism, like let's go back to like the way it was before, you know, back to the basics sort of thing. And I think that's not 
what's best for the city necessarily. And as a young person who has had like multiple friends now leave the city, uh, I'm like, I would like this to continue to be a place to stay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so please yeah. uh, help carve that, that path forward for the city. Yeah. Same here. I've had a lot of friends leave the city and I think, uh, a lot of young, yeah, a lot of young voters are leaving. In, but again, Edmonton is honestly, uh, I've I've lived or like so many different capacities in so many different places in Canada, or like I've I've visited. Edmonton is one of those cities that is really can be really really good to young voters and young people. Like rent is affordable. There are a wealth of opportunities. We mm-hmm. there's so many good things going on in Edmonton and. You know, it would be kind of sad to see, you know, someone that people that would like kind of like bring us backwards on the basis of like, we shouldn't invest in the future. Because sometimes some of those thoughts are like, oh, we need to cut costs on all these things. But all these things are very, very important (laughs) to ensure that in 10 years, we are a better city. And obviously those things, sometimes you don't see an immediate effect. You know, uh, Shane was talking about like community violence and all different important topics, those things would take investment like take, take a while to see fruition. But if you don't make them now, in 10 years, we're going to be in such a, in a worse position. And so hopefully seeing a candidate that can keep pushing us forward will be amazing. Mm-hmm. I love this, like, step aside, chicken little. The sky's not falling. That's right. We got big plans. <laughs> we're moving ahead. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us on the podcast today and sharing your thoughts ahead of the vote Monday. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. The Loop is a weekly podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team is Mindariwal, Leslie Goldstone, Corey Haberstock, Christina Silva, and James Evans. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. Thank you, as always, for listening. Um, there's so much more to know. So you can get into the loop with us every Friday. And make sure to tune in next week. We might have something special coming after the election. All sorts, right? <laughs> yeah, you can leave us a rating or a review um, wherever you download or find the show. Uh, and just make sure to check us out. Yeah. And you can certainly uh, get in touch with us. We have an email, theloop at cbc.ca. Use the hashtag theloopcbc on social media. Reach out to us via Twitter. I am at Min Dariwal. And uh, Claire, you, of course, at Nami Knob. Every time you say it. Bonnyman backwards. It sounds so weird coming out of your mouth. How do you say it? Nami Knob. Nami Knob. Okay. Okay. Nami Knob, Nami Knob. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, people will know about it now. Um, And of course, you can follow the show on CBC Listen or uh, wherever you find podcasts. Ha! Ha! Not bad. Is there next mayor? Uh, For the next slot? For the next? (sighs) Sorry, I probably jumped in there. (laughs) Let's go back. Let's keep all of this in there. (laughs) We're going to have like six minutes of bloopers this week. You're going to use TLDR, yeah? TLDR buddy it was that was <laughs> men learn so much by being on the loop too long an educational Didn't podcast read. yeah did you just look that up no oh good I'm just expanding it oh okay you're just expanding the acronym look it up it's not like they shortened it for a reason I didn't have to look it up he told me what it was <laughs> true for more CBC podcasts go to cbc.ca slash podcasts